0: Welcome to the Restored and Remarried podcast with Gill and Brenda Stewart. Gill and Brenda are internationally known marriage experts who specialize in remarriage and the step family. The Stewarts offer valuable principles that can improve your relationship satisfaction with the love of your life. Here they are: coach and counselors, authors and speakers, Gill and Brenda Stewart.
1: to have you back to Restored and Remarried, and uh, the place to come for tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship, and we're really anxious to get into our interview today with Rick Johnson. Uh, Brenda, what do you say happening over there at your end of the world?
2: Howdy. <laughs> uh, we are thrilled to have a dear friend of ours, Rick Johnson, with us today in this studio, which is still looking for a sponsor, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh We've known Rick for, oh, I don't know how many years, he'll have to answer this, but um, we're going to talk about fatherhood and dads and step-dads today, so it's going to be a pretty dynamic uh, uh, interview, and I want to give you a little bit of background on Rick, Um he has betterdads.net is his ministry and best-selling author of 12 books in 14 different languages. Uh, a couple of the titles are Better Dad, Stronger Sons, uh, That's My Son, How Moms Can Influence Boys to Become Men of Character. I love this one, The Man Whisperer. Ooh. So he's got a good good handle on marriage in general, and he speaks to men's groups and women's groups and... She speaks to marriage and has been with Promise Keepers, and uh, the list goes on and on. So we have like a legit interview here.
1: Hey, this is
3: great. <laughs> oh, hey, how you doing over there, Rick? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm waiting for the tingle
1: that you're. Um, oh yeah, the tingles and tingles. That's uh, <laughs> there you go. That's always there. you never know what kind of tingle you might get, but we we trust that that gets passed on to our listeners. I think it's there the, you go. There you go, there you go. That's exciting know what, what? what you're doing right now and and uh, kind of we'll, we'll begin to get into some of these uh, these questions that we wanted to talk about, okay, that sounds great. you know, I love the work that you guys do, so I was excited when you uh asked me to be on your show. Hey. Cool, cool, we appreciate that so again, um we're talking to Rick and we're we're gonna kind of get into a few questions being that you spoke have spoken a number of places around the country, around the world, books are in 12 different languages, that kind of struck me, because fatherhood as we know it may have some common themes, you would think, anywhere you go around the world, and I, and knowing that you've kind of been around the world and spoken, what do you see as common themes of fatherhood that you could maybe share with us? Sure, you, you know, I think there's a few things that I've
3: observed uh, that are kind of cross-cultural, if you will. Uh, in other words, it doesn't matter whether you speak to African-American fathers or white fathers or Asian fathers or, or whoever. Uh, first of all, I think I don't know that I've ever run across a, a father who didn't want to be a good father. I mean, obviously there's a lot of dads maybe who aren't very good fathers, but I think deep down every man would like to be a good father uh a lot of times just circumstances or our experiences, uh, what was modeled for us, get in the way. Our wounds get in the way of our ability to be the kind of father that we want to be. But nevertheless, I think, for instance, when I speak to men in prison, probably a lot of them have done things and and have not been a very good father to their children. And yet they are very interested in the message of how to be a better father um, and so I think that's kind of a, a worldwide thing. And I think really what what we see is that fathering is is really a human issue. It's not a race or a culture or an ethnic ethnic issue. Um, in other words, you know, my books are translated into Malaysian and and Arabic, and I mean all these different cultures that you know people are interested in this information on fathering that are are from cultures completely. Foreign to, to our culture here in the U.S. So, um, it's a very interesting dynamic. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what I liked what you said. Even with with dads who are maybe incarcerated or those that are out walking the street doing you know the, the day to day thing, they want to be good fathers. Uh, give me give me just a couple points on what does a good father look like? What does he sound like? What does he smell like? You know, what does he eat for breakfast? Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, my,
3: again, observations and experiences over the years have been that um, being a good father is really not about being a good parent as much as it is about being a good man. In other words, uh, I've known a lot of guys, and almost to a a man, if they were a good father, it was because they were a good man, and if they were a bad father, it was because they weren't such a good man. And so I think, you know, for us to understand what it means to be a good man, to what character traits a good man has, um, and to understand that and then attempt to live that out. For instance, you know, our culture tells us a lot of things about what makes a man, and generally they're all wrong. (laughs) Primarily our culture focuses on things like, you know, power, having a lot of power, having a lot of money, or having sex with a lot of different women. And really those three things are the things that least make you a man, in our culture, and I think I think what does make us a man is, is to take that unique power or influence that God has given us to, to lift people's lives up and make their lives better than they would be if we weren't in their life, and, and for men to use that with their wives and their children, their grandchildren, um, is what makes us a good man. And kind to hear the
1: theme there of being tough but tender. Is that is that in the uh, the area what you're talking about? Well, I
3: I think yeah to be a good dad, I think you've got to be tough. Um, there's a lot of decisions that we have to make as dads that um, aren't real popular sometimes, but therefore in the best interest of our of our families. And we have to be tough enough to follow through. We have to be tough enough to protect them in all situations, whether it's emotionally or physically or Psychologically, um, and and so yeah, I think that does require a certain toughness. On the other hand, you know that needs to be balanced with with the ability to be tender, um, especially with our younger children.
1: <laughs> you use the word emotion, and if there's a lot of guys listening to this, you know what's the common thought is? Hey, I'm a man. I don't do emotions. What do you say to that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't either. But when you have a grandchild,
3: you
2: get all emotions. We know you have them somewhere down there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we just don't recognize them. Yeah, I think you know that's. I think that's a valid thing. I think. I think you know, men. We do know that we have emotions. We just don't always recognize them and understand them. And. You know, for instance, my wife would be like, "How do you feel about that?" I'm like, "I don't know." You know, <laughs> give me give me some time to think about this, to to process this. I know you hate that word, Gil. <laughs> give me time to digest this yeah. this issue, and I'll get back to you and let you know how I feel about it. Because if you ask me at the time, I, I don't know. Um, literally takes me. Sometimes it'll take me a week to to process my
1: emotions and figure out what I'm actually feeling about something. Mm. I think that's key right there is that emotions are not feelings. Feelings are not emotions. The emotion is there. You just got to figure out what does that feel like, what does that look like, what's the experience, what is, what's the result of the emotion, especially when right. it has to do with you know being a dad, you know, especially of, of kids, be regardless of what age they are, and that that's uh, that's a difficult thing to do, especially how to how do we explain that to our wives. What do you think, Brenda?
2: Oh, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I think a lot of wives just assume that our guys are wired like us and that, you know, we're all emotional beings and you should know how you feel. How's mm, going for you. <laughs> It's not working yeah, too well. i not really going for you, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where women really need to give their men some space to digest and process the information. What do you think, Rick?
3: You know, my wife did a, a very um, interesting and wise thing, I think, when our son, son was younger, um, you know the sheets of paper that have all the faces on them? Yeah. And they have yeah. all the emotions written under the face that, uh-huh. that kind of depicts that emotion. Well, she she put a copy of that on the refrigerator. And so, you know, my son and I are getting into the refrigerator, what, 20 times a day probably, and we're looking at this, this poster, if you will, with all these different emotions and faces. And I think it was very helpful for probably both of us to to help us to understand and recognize what our emotions were and what we were feeling, at least at least on some level. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still yeah. not probably capable of doing that because my the two hemispheres of my brain don't react as well as females do together, but
1: I, I think it was helpful nonetheless. Yeah, because I think, you know, what you're talking about, hemisphere of brain, left, right brain. But before we leave this topic of emotions and being a dad, um, on a scale of one to whatever, an emotionally healthy father is more effective? I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but tell me about a dad who's not emotionally connected. What's that going to do? Well, I think, I think, this is my opinion,
3: but I think that dads that are emotionally detached, <clears throat> in other words, I tell dads and moms all the time that you don't, as a dad, you don't have to be physically absent for your child to be fatherless you can be emotionally unattached, you can be a workaholic, you can be addicted, you can be abusive and your kids are just as fatherless as if you're physically not present. So, I think dads have to to come to as part of our maturity process of being a good man. I think we have to we have to learn to recognize and understand and, and be able to process our emotions.
2: Wow, that's powerful. And I think a man or a woman If they are physically present but emotionally detached, maybe this is an opportunity of growth to explore. Boy, now I'm sounding like a counselor. (laughs) To get some help with their personal wounds that they haven't faced off with.
3: Well, I really think that's what holds most of us back, moms and dads, from being the kind of parents that we want to be. My last book was Overcoming Toxic Parenting, Mm -hmm. um, How to Be a Good Parent when When You Didn't Have One. And um, it was a lot of that was about, you know, overcoming the abuses that we suffered as a child and, and how to deal with those and and not follow in the footsteps that were modeled for us or, or the gen- follow the generational cycles, but to actually turn around and reprogram ourselves, if you will, to be the kind of parent that our kids deserve.
2: Yeah, because at that point, it's about legacy and it's mm-hmm. like if their dysfunction has gone on for different generations it's like okay it stopped here with this generation right. and we're going to do something about it and we're going to as the adults do the work to get healthy emotionally exactly yeah, yeah and
3: it's hard but you can do it i mean
2: yeah we never said any of this was easy right
3: <laughs> exactly well, well but, uh, every, so everything you
2: that's good the in other life side, is the, the, the things that you get from it are just like in, <sighs>
1: Yeah, the payoff is incredible. Yeah. Let's let's flip the equation a little bit. Let's say that this is a stepdad conversation. Kind of go there for a few minutes. What could you say to stepfathers, those that you've talked to, worked with, written about? You know, kind of kind of go there for a second. Yeah, well, I, you know, I personally,
3: I've never been a stepdad, but I personally think stepdads are probably the most underappreciated people in the world, <laughs> maybe. Um, Amen, Yeah. You know, here's the deal. I and I, I'm sure you guys have have used Joseph, Joseph and Jesus as the as the model, but I mean, literally, without a stepfather, uh, Jesus wouldn't have survived. I mean, without Joseph to not only protect him and, and keep him safe, but to provide for him uh, as he grew up. And, and you don't really ever hear anything about him in the Bible after you know Jesus is what twelve or something.
2: But right. I, I got a feeling he's that Jesus being. This was a stepchild.
3: Uh, yeah, he he had a. I think Joseph's got a pretty nice gig up in heaven with, <laughs>
2: for <laughs> for what he did. had right.
3: that right? And uh, so I, you know, I think <clears throat> you know, there's a, in the Old Testament, there's the the uh, issue of the kinsman redeemer, which is where when a when a husband died usually a family member like a brother or an uncle or somebody like that would come in and and take over <clears throat> and pro- provide and protect for the wife and ch- his wife and children and they called him a kinsman redeemer and um you know i think in our modern culture because we don't have that anymore but but you know the 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 wives and children of of who are uh, either widows and uh, or have been abandoned by men are divorce i think they're the 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 widows and orphans of our culture and i think um i think stepdads a lot of times fill that role of kinsman redeemer in our culture in in the fact that um women and children's lives can sometimes be be pretty bleak uh without um without a husband and a father in their lives and so on a lot of levels financially none, the, none the, not the least financially and so um, I think it's a, I think it's an honorable role, and like most things that we've done in our culture that are honorable, we've turned them into kind of a negative. And like most things regarding masculinity, we've turned it into a negative. Certainly there are bad stepfathers out there, but um, I think on the most part we should honor. I think it's a noble thing that a man takes. I can't imagine raising another man's child, put it that way, how difficult that would be. So I think it's a noble endeavor, and I think we should
1: look at it that way. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that, you know, as you're saying that, it's the nobility of fatherhood. And, again, you know, being a stepdad uh, and knowing several stepfathers, that ability to know what's my place and what's not my place, Mm. other than to have an open heart of love and acceptance and to be willing to come off the bench at any given moment, so to speak. (laughs) To uh, to ro- to step into that role and to and to think about it as you stated, I hadn't really thought about it that way in regards to a kinsman redeemer, um, because yeah, that's not part of our culture. We have, you know, we have widows and and divorced women who would become single moms, and when they do find a, a guy who is willing to step in, uh, and the next thing they realize these guys like, whoa, well, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um again, kind of a stretch maybe for you to to know what to say to encourage those guys but in the in the mentality of a kinsman redeemer stepfather what what would be an encouraging concept you could maybe toss them just with the thought or so well you know i I love on Facebook I
3: occasionally will see these videos of these generally teenage girls who are asking their stepfathers that have raised them. In these ceremonies that they videotape, asking them to adop- officially adopt them,
2: mm, and they're just—they're
3: yeah. just tear. Just, <laughs> I'm getting choked up just thinking about it because it's, oh, it's such a cool huh? thing, you know. But literally, what you're doing is you're redeeming the, these kids' lives because if you look at statistically, kids that grow up without fathers are at a, sig- a hugely significant disadvantage in life in so many areas. And and having a man come along and and provide that healthy image of masculinity, of of a non sexual affection, and and provide all the things that that healthy men do in the lives of children is just such a blessing in their life that you
1: really are redeeming a life if you think about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I I want want one more topic to come up, and that is the issue of something that I've read from a counselor's perspective, and that is this. Women provide a relational, moms provide relational um, uh, savvy and Mm -hmm. kind of like relational strategy. Dad, on the other hand, provides identity and stability. Talk to that for just a second, dad providing identity. Well, I I think uh, to take that even a step further, I think, it's certainly not, you know, this is
3: generalization, so not everybody falls into these categories. But I think moms tend to, to love their children more unconditionally, whereas dads have a more performance-based love, if you will. Okay. And I think kids need both of those. I think they need to be loved unconditionally, but they also need to have that dad to provide things like teaching them respect um, uh, self control um all the things that go along with with tough love if you a tougher love if you will um because kids that only get one or the other tend not to do very well
1: mm. a- yeah.
3: and so I think they need both of those kinds of of loves if you will in their life yeah. Yeah. Does that, that makes sense i don 't know if I answered your question, but yeah
1: yeah i think it's that being having um uh, that strong um, healthy masculine figure in a home that can be pushed up against that, you know, basically will lovingly push back when somebody's out of order.
3: Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, there's an innate fear factor that kids have of dads. There's no question about it that they probably don't have a mom's, although my kids were a little bit afraid of my of their mom when they were growing up, I would think, <laughs> just because she was a little bit crazy, but, um Yeah. Yeah, I think kids need that. I and mean, you see that uh, kids that don't have that kind of um you know, my kids knew that um if they were disrespectful, there were consequences. And um uh, I teach kids in school all the time who haven't learned that concept and it's miserable. It's they're miserable and they make everyone around them miserable. Mm,
2: yeah. Mm. Yeah. What
3: gets what gets through to them? <laughs> I'd rather not say, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we could go, yeah, rogue yeah. here, we won't do that, yeah, we so what's coming to my mind since I'm not a man is in the in the step family vernacular here, you know so many times we meet with couples that. Um, the bio dad is just not setting a good example or he's being Disneyland dad or just, you know, there's no rules in his house and all that kind of stuff. And the stepdad, who is trying to provide, a, like you said, a protective home and showing character and everything, um, I think it's sometimes hard for them to step into that, to feel mm-hmm. like they're really important to model this, and then they don't do anything, Um Guys, can you speak to that at all and encourage those men to keep That's doing sort, what
3: they're sort doing? Sort of like the movie, uh, the movie Daddy's Home.
2: <laughs> are you sorry, say that
3: again? Sort of like the movie Daddy's Home.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, here's my perspective. Again, I'm, I'm not a stepdad, so I can't speak to this, Gil. You you can speak to it better than I can. But from my perspective, I think kids are are a lot more intuitive and and intelligent than we give them credit for, and and they know, they know what's going on, and they know what's right and what's not right, and um, and they may push off against the the stability guy, the guy that's you know having to enforce the rules and and do what's best for them, but um, you know they have to have that, and I think they know that instinctively. I think they know that, and they understand. And and maybe it makes for some miserable times for a few years, but I think um, in the long run,
1: I think they come back and appreciate it. Yeah, I think that, to just back up with what you're saying, I think that's true in nuclear families who have not experienced uh, a split or a break or a widowhood or a divorce. Um, but it is definitely intensified, especially if we have a stepdad who's wishy-washy. Mm. I think that the thing that I would say to your question, Brenda, is lovingly be firm, but leave lots of room for love, and it will it will grow. But give yourself grace and give those kids grace because that's what everybody needs.
2: Mm. And it's amazing. We've found, you know, as our kids have all have launched, that um, it's amazing how smart we've gotten as they've gotten older. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and especially as they are, you know, in their twenties and thirties, and are talking to other kids and the experience they right. had with their dads, um, I think they have a new appreciation for, you know, I'll just say for you, Gil, that um, that you weren't, you were there as a protector and provider and uh, a, a man of high character, and they may not have realized that in their teen years, but now that they've gotten out into the real world, they're mm. like, oh, my dad wasn't so bad.
1: That's a well, great Rick, observation. we really yeah. want to thank you for giving us some of your time, and we really appreciate the the privilege of that. And, again, uh, just kind of where how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to? Yeah, the best way
3: is just to go on our website at betterdads.net, and they can reach me personally through that, or they can find out my speaking schedule or books or whatever they want to know. So that would be the best way to do it.
2: Good. Great. You have so many incredible resources, so that we'll make sure that we'll put on the show notes uh, all your contact information. And, of course, you're on uh, Facebook also, and um, people can track you down there, because I think you've just done an incredible job for the years just supporting marriages and dads and, and so many people. So thank you for everything you've done.
3: Thank you. My pleasure.
2: Okay. All right. We're going to sign off, and we will... See you guys later with more tips, tools, and tingles. And remember, remember,
1: how's it go? If
2: you ain't got the marriage. You
1: ain't got nothing. Thanks again for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Gil and Brenda Stewart with the Restored and Remarried Podcast. If you enjoyed today's time together, share it with a friend. And be sure to sign up for Gil and Brenda's free newsletter, Subscribe to upcoming podcasts and learn where they're speaking it's all on the website restoredandremarried.com. connect on facebook instagram and twitter and hashtag restored and remarried plus they offer one-on-one couples coaching with amazing results join the stewards next time as they provide more tips tools and tingles for your relationship remember
2: if you ain't got the marriage
0: you ain't got nothing